Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Trevor Page, and I will be your stand-in moderator for this, uh, today's session, as I was informed a few minutes ago as I walked in the door. The moderator, I'm standing in for Harley Frank, and I guess the snow is a little bit thick on the reserve this morning, so Harley couldn't make it. But before I say a few words about today's session and introduce our speaker to you, I'd like to call on SAGPA board member Bev Mundell Atherston to come to the podium. She has a, 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 a sad statement to make. Thank you, Trevor. As um, some of you already know, um, one of our longtime stalwarts and uh, a continuing member of the SACPA group, Ed Webking, passed away last Thursday in his sleep. His, I'm passing around, um, if you want, an obituary. Um, his memorial service will be Saturday at 2 o'clock at, um, where is it? Southminster. So, thank you. Oh, and I have the card, and I'll leave it outside if people would like to add their signatures to condolences for his family. Thank you. Thank you, Bev. Idle no more. What are the main issues behind the movement? Certainly, I'm aware of Idle No More. I'd like to make a special welcome both to our speaker and all First Nations who have come here today. You're more than welcome, brothers and sisters. C-45, C-38, omnibus bills, what do they mean? Why is everyone so upset? Or why are First Nations upset? Why are they leading the way? And why are we non-First Nations still idling? Our speaker today is... Faye Morning Bull, and she's a member of the Pikani Nation, part of the Blackfoot Confederacy, whose members are signatory to Treaty 7. She has a BA in Native American Studies from the U of L, a law degree from the University of Calgary, and she has experience in working in community corrections as a probation officer and practices law in her recently established firm called Indigenous Law. Faye, please come to the podium and please welcome her to SAGPRA. Thank you. I always seem to have problems with the mic. Um, Thank you very much for inviting me to speak here. I'm 
really delighted to be here. I think we, as First Nations, as Indian people, we're all wondering why the rest of Canada is not as outraged as we are. Um, so I'll begin, begin my presentation. I'm going to begin with the Royal Proclamation of 1763. It was issued by King George III to resolve the grievances of Indian tribes. It forbid private persons from making purchases or settling on, native, on Indian land. It reserved certain lands exclusively for Indian tribes and established a procedure for any purchase of Indian land only by the government at a public meeting of the Indians with their consent. Indigenous people as the original people have been entrusted by their ancestors and the corresponding obligation to future generations of their people to maintain and protect the relationship and connection to the land. There's a number of treaties in Canada. There's pre-Confederation treaties that were made prior to Canada becoming a country. They're usually referred to as peace and friendship treaties. They're mostly in the Maritimes. The numbered treaties, 1 through 11, Ontario, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, Yukon, Northwest Territories, and a section of British Columbia. There are modern-day treaties or comprehensive claims, mostly in British Columbia, although none of it is an example of a modern-day treaty. The Constitution Act 1982, the rights that stem from these treaties were given constitutional recognition to the Constitution Act 1982, Section 35.1 states, the existing Aboriginal and treaty rights of the Aboriginal people of Canada are hereby recognized and affirmed. The Crown's duty to consult with Aboriginal rights, it stems from a court case called Haida, Haida Nation and British Columbia Minister of Forests, it is the Supreme Court decision in 2004 and states, the government's duty of consultation arises when the government has knowledge of the potential existence of an Aboriginal right and contemplates conduct that might adversely affect it. The Crown's duty to consult with regard to treaty rights, it's Miccosoe Cree First Nation in Canada, the Minister of Canadian Heritage, that's a 2005 Supreme Court decision that states the honor of the Crown infuses every treaty and the performance of every treaty obligation. Treaty 8 therefore gives rise to Miccosoe procedural rights, for example, consultation, as well as substantive rights, for example, hunting, fishing, and trapping rights. The Crown has not consulted with Aboriginal people on the legislation that will impact their Section 35 rights. With regard to the omnibus bills, Elizabeth May, the leader of the Green Party, stated, we have essentially seen Budget 2012 used as an excuse for the tabling of 900 pages of legislation largely unrelated to the budget itself. This exercise is both illegitimate and undemocratic in combining 70 different bills in Bill C-38 allegedly related to the Budget 2012 and now 60 different bills in Bill C-45. The Omnibus Bill, Jobs, Growth and Long-Term Prosperity Act introduced April 26, 2012 to implement the federal budget. It introduces, amends, or repeals 70 different bills. Bill C-38 gained royal assent royal June 29, 2012. Public Service Alliance concerns with this bill include it removes requirement for federal contractors to follow employment equity guidelines. 
amends the Financial Administration Act and undermines accountability to Parliament and transparency to the public. It reduces the Auditor General's mandate, reduces annual inspection of reliability of information in Canadian Food Inspection Agency reports, changes to immigration and refugee system, amends the rules for determining the extent charities and environmental organizations can participate in politics. David Suzuki resigned from his own foundation in protest raises the eligibility age for old age security from 65 to 67, allows the government to make unilateral changes to the employment insurance system by regulation, and officially closes rights and democracy, an internationally renowned human rights organization. Focusing on the changes to Canada's environmental laws, the Fisheries Act, the Canadian Environmental Assessment Act, the National Energy Board Act, Canada Environmental Protection Act 1999, Species at Risk Act, Navigable Waters Protection Act, and Kyoto Protocol Implementation Act. So the Canadian Environmental Assessment Act amends... Sorry, I've got the wrong page here. The Fisheries Act destroys habitat protection. Habitat protection will only include permanent alteration or destruction of commercial, recreation, or aboriginal fisheries habitat. Some activities will be exempt from the law no matter how much damage they cause, and the federal government will be able to authorize destruction of fish habitat to provincial governments or other entities. It repealed the Canadian Environmental Assessment Act and enacted the Canadian Environmental Asse Assessment Act 2012. The Canadian Environmental Assessment Agency, the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission, the National Energy Board, a review panel established by the Minister are to conduct assessments in applicable time limits. That affects the duty to consult. Environmental assessments are delegated to provinces. The National Energy Board Act allows the Governor and Council to make decisions on issuance of certificates for major pipelines. It permits NEB to exercise federal jurisdiction over navigation in respect of pipelines and power lines that cross navigable waters. It also amended the Canada Oil and Gas Operations Act to allow the NEB federal jurisdiction over pipelines and power lines that cross navigable waters. The Canadian Environmental Protection Act 1999 was amended to provide the Minister of Environment the authority to renew disposal at sea permits and amends the publication requirement for disposal at sea permits. Species at Risk Act, there's no maximum time limit on permits allowing impacts on species at risk and the National Energy Board will be exempted from species at, at risk protections. The Navigable Waters Protection Act, specific exclusion of pipelines as works or undertakings, pipelines are no longer in the Act. It repeals the Kyoto Protocol Implementation Act. Bill C-45, Jobs and Growth Act. It implements provisions of March 2012 budget and amends 60 different bills. It received royal assent December 14, 2012. Public Service Alliance of Canada, Bill C-45 concerns include Canada Revenue Agency Act created in 1999 as a separate and independent employer from Treasury Board. The amendments put the CRA back under Treasury Board contradicting the specific reasons for the CRA's creation. The Fisheries Act, the new changes, the developer will no longer be responsible for fixing the environmental and habitat damage they cause. Indian Act amendments designed to give Ministry of Aboriginal Affairs access over First Nations land. Navigable Waters Protection Act amended to reduce its scope to less than 1% of Canada waters. 
Canadian waters, restricts federal oversight to these to three oceans, 97 lakes, and 62 rivers. The traditional territories of Aboriginal peoples will be at the greatest risk of environmental exploitation as a law designed to provide quick development access to resource is de designed to provide quick development access to resource extraction industries. Public sector pension plans retirement age from 60 to 65. Canada Grain Act removes regulations to protect independent grain producers. The amendments threaten the livelihood of independent producers while furthering protecting the rights of the global conglomerates. So focusing on Canada's environmental laws, the Canadian Environmental Assessment Act 2012, Navigable Waters Act and Fisheries Act. The Canadian Environmental Assessment Act 2012, it amends one of its transitional provisions to make the act applicable to designated projects as defined in that act for which an environmental assessment would have been required under the former act. Navigable Waters Act limits the act's application to only those navigable waters set out in the schedule and it reduces the number of navigable waters. The Fisheries Act amends definition of Aboriginal fishery introduced in Bill C-38 to means fish that is harvested by an Aboriginal organization or any of its members for the purpose of using the fish as food for social or ceremonial purposes or for the purposes set out in a land claims agreement entered into with the Aboriginal organization. The Indian Act Amendment in Bill C-45. So before Bill C-45, the voting requirement on an absolute surrender or land designation required the whole membership of the band to be, to be on that list. And the voting requirement required 50% plus one in support of it, with the final approval of the Governor General. So after Bill C-45, the voting requirement is a majority of band members who come out to vote. The final approval given by Chief and Council and the Minister, the band council, not the federal government, will, will be held accountable for that decision. The Environment Commissioner Scott Vaughan on February 5th, 2012, or 2013 commented, Canada is not prepared for a major oil spill. Considering the central role of natural resources in today's economy, it is critical that environmental protections keep pace with economic development, that we need a boom in environmental protection alongside the economic boom. He, he was asking about the liability limits. How much are corporations on the hook for absolute liability? $40 million for offshore in the Arctic and $30 million in the Atlantic. The cleanup for the 2012, 2010 oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico cost $40 billion U.S. In Canada, the taxpayers would be on the hook for the remainder of the cleanup beyond the corporation's absolute liability. He was talking about fracking for shale. What are the chemicals going in and what comes out? So the Treaty Nation's response to these two bills, on January 8, 2013, the Cree and Frog Lake First Nation filed for a judicial rule review of Bill C-38 and Bill C-45. Bill C-38 amended the Fisheries Act and the Canadian Environmental Assessment Act. Bill C-45 amended the Fisheries Act and the Navigable Waters Protection Act. Current government bills. These are bills that have been introduced either in the Senate or in the House of Commons. So there's Bill C-27, First Nations Financial Transparency Act. Bill S-2, Family Homes on Reserve and Matrimony Interests or Rights Act. Bill S-6, First Nations Election Act. Bill S-8, Safe Drinking Water for First Nations Act. Bill C-428, Indian Act Amendment and Replacement Act. 
Bill S-207, an act to amend the Interpretation Act. Bill S-212, First Nation Self-Government Recognition Act. There are two proposed bills. The First Nations Private Property Ownership Act hasn't been introduced, but Tom Flanagan said at the meeting last week, was it, that um, it was there and it's an opt-in piece of legislation. I myself have never seen the legislation, but apparently it's already written up. It's about making reserve lands fee simple lands. That's what it's about. We own the land collectively. We don't own individual plots of land. First Nations Education Act. The First Nations Education Discussion Guide is available on the AANDC website. Although this act, I'm sure, has already been drafted, federal, gui federal government Aboriginal consultation guidelines go hand in hand with this discussion guide. The federal government has begun consultation and the government wants to implement it by 2014. Now the problem with this is that when I was talking about the duty to consult, the duty to consult arises when you have knowledge of, a, of an Aboriginal or treaty right. And then you're looking at what the scope of that right is and the adverse impact to it. So that's what this is about. It's about defining Aboriginal people's treaty right to education. I should say treaty and Aboriginal right to education. Bill C-27, First Nations Financial Transparency Act. The status of the bill was passed at the House of Commons. Second reading at the Senate, February 7, 2013, referred to the Senate Committee on Aboriginal Affairs, requires each First Nation to prepare and publicly disclose an audited consolidated financial statements, schedule of remuneration and expenses for chief and council, and any entity that is required to be consolidated with the First Nation. Any entity includes any corporation, company, society, or association, band owned and operated, then the entity's financial records are required under this act to be posted on the band's website at AANDC's public website for public viewing. This is detrimental for any band owned business as their financial records are available to anyone, including competitors. Information regarding band's finances is currently available as, as are MLAs, MPs, senators, and the PM through, the, through FOIP and the application of an ATIP and access to information and privacy request. If a First Nation is in a breach of a duty, the Minister may require Council to develop an appropriate plan to remedy the breach, withhold monies payable as a grant or contribution, or terminate any grant or, or contribution agreement. <coughs> bill S-6, First Nations Election Act, status of the bill passed at the Senate, First reading at the House of Commons, May 4, 2012. This is opt-in legislation for First Nations who do not have a custom election code and whose election remains under the Indian Act. It empowers the AANDC minister to order a First Nation under the Act, including one with a custom election code when there has been a prolonged dispute between chief and council or an election has been overturned by the governor and council. Bill S-8, Safe Drinking Water for First Nations Act, the status of the bill passed at the Senate, second reading at the House of Commons, November 26, 2012, will allow the federal government in collaboration with First Nations to establish federal regulations for drinking water, treatment of water and wastewater, training and operation of drinking water systems, protection of sources of drinking water from contamination, monitoring, sampling and testing of wastewater and reporting of the test results, 
Chief and Council and op the operators will be held accountable for maintaining the regulations and the standards, but there's no funding. There's no funding to upgrade the system to the federal standards, and the federal government has done a, done a study, and they know exactly how much money it's going to cost. Bill S-212, Family Homes on Reserves and Matrimony Interests or Rights Act. Status of the bill passed by the Senate. Second reading at the House of Commons, November 22, 2012. The good news is First Nations can create their own laws with the approval of the membership and notification of the Attorney General. This legislation does not recognition, recognize First Nations' collective ownership of homes and land on reserves and imposes individual property ownership concepts. Charter rights, human rights, private property rights are all individual rights. The Act would allow emergency protection orders to on-reserve homes. The applicant, whether a band member or a non-band member, can apply to provincial court to have exclusive occupation ordered by the court for 90 days and may make, may make application to have it extended. Chief and Council may make a submission to the court on collective rights of the First Nation. Only the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People speaks about collective rights. The court may order the applicant to have exclusive occupation of the house regardless of who owns or occupies the house. All other occupants must leave the house or will be fined between $2,000 and $5,000. I think if you don't know, I'll tell you, we have a housing shortage on reserve. Where I come from, we've got like 400 people on the wait list. So if the court orders exclusive occupation for a mother and her child, then everybody else leaves. My question is, where do they go? Application of Provincial Family Law Act to Common Law Relationships and Division of Property on Indian Reserve. Upon the breakup of a common law relationship, the common law partner will have to pay the applicant for the house and improvements upon the division of property. Note that on most Indian reserves, the band owns the house and the land, so even if you don't own the house, this act provides that if your common law makes an application, you would have to pay them for the house and any improvements. There's case law called unjust enrichment that covers this area of law of common law relationships, so legislating it to me appears excessive. Bill C-428, Indian Act Amendment and Replacement Act. The status of the bill, second reading at the House of Commons, referred to the Standing Committee on Aboriginal, and Nor Aboriginal Affairs and Northern Development. The amendments include repealing the limitation on bylaw authority. Bylaws will no longer have to be submitted to the minister prior to coming into force. It repeals all provisions related to residential schools. which re repeals provisions for ministerial authority over wills and estates on reserve. The Minister must report annually on the efforts to replace the Indian Act with amendments or other legislation. There's no indication that the Minister will report or discuss with Indian bands about any proposed changes or the potential impact. Bill S-207, an Act to amend the Interpretation Act. The status of the bill, second reading completed at the Senate, referred to the Standing Committee on Legal and Constitutional Affairs. It amends the Interpretation Act, which governs the implementation of all laws to state. No enactment shall be construed as to abrogate or derogate from the Aboriginal and treaty rights recognized and affirmed by Section 35 of the Constitution Act, 1982. But there's two perspectives on what Section 35 means. There's a government perspective. Section 35 is an empty box and contains only those rights that have been legally proven to be Aboriginal and treaty rights. With regard to treaty rights, Hunting, fishing, and trapping and rights incidental to those rights and procedural rights of consultation are all that that are in that box. 
From an Aboriginal perspective, Section 35 is a full box. It contains inherent Indigenous rights, Aboriginal and treaty rights, and historical treaty rights. Bill S-212, First Nations Self-Government Recognition Act. Sounds pretty good. Status of the bill on the Senate order notice paper February 5th, 2013 for second reading. It legislates First Nations have the ability to have a constitution and sets out a process to establish constitution and what it must contain. It provides for lawmaking powers as set out in the constitution similar to a municipality over lands, fish, fish habitat, wildlife protection of environment, etc., Taxations of citizens, persons other than citizens, to the extent agreed upon by the First Nation and the Government of Canada. However, the Act states First Nations laws are only applicable to First Nations citizens. The Indian Act and Act specifically applicable to Indians, Section 47.1, except as otherwise provided in this Act, but despite subsection 51, the provisions of the Indian Act or any other Act specifically applicable to Indians or lands reserved for Indians and the regulations made thereunder do not apply to a recognized First Nation to its citizens, First Nations lands, money, or assets. Only Sections 87 and 89 of the Indian Act are mentioned in this Act, the exclusion of all other federal acts specifically applicable to Indians and lands reserved for Indians, Section 9124 of the BNA Act, Indians and lands reserved for Indians, Section 35 of the Constitution Act 1982, Section 35.2, the definition of Aboriginal peoples, Aboriginal peoples of Canada includes Indian, Inuit, Métis, peoples of Canada. It removes Indians and lands reserved for Indians from federal jurisdiction. First Nations under this Act will be under provincial jurisdiction. Self-government under this Act equals municipal government. First Nation has no legal definition. It removes Indian rights and lands from the Constitution without a constitutional amendment. Thank you.